Hey, and welcome to all the lovers out there. This is the How to Love a Human podcast, moderated by Dr. Candice Nicole Hargons. Follow and come chat it up some more with us on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Candice Nicole and on our website, drcandicenicole.com. You will find those links in our description box. Today, the How to Love a Human podcast welcomes Telena to the space. So sit back and join us along this journey on how to love a human. Hey, everyone. Today on How to Love a Human, I am with Telena. Hey, Telena. How you doing, hey, girl? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you so much again for joining me. And I'm going to start with my non-researchy question first. All right. <laughs> okay. Are you feeling human or human as fuck? Human AF. I'm definitely feeling human as fuck. <laughs> okay. Give me breakdown for you what human as fuck means. For me, it's just embodying that present space. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling every emotion, every course, every every thing that's happening mm. um on what my are journey. the things that you're experiencing right now that are like making the human as fuck show up ironically emotion okay. on a more honest level yes um, being in a space where i'm really acknowledging the good the bad and the ugly for what it is yeah um and learning that it's not necessarily a bad thing all the time mm-hmm. and, and those spaces while uncomfortable are, are great spaces for growing opportunities. When did you notice, I got to kind of get real emotionally with the ugly and the bad, because to your point, a lot of people think, you know, bad emotions should be moved away, suppressed, not felt, mm-hmm. numbed out. Like when, when did you get to that point in your journey? Honestly, I've been on this journey for a couple of years okay. now. So I laugh about this because I always tell people how afraid I was to turn 30 because I thought this big thing was going to happen. Oh. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I started learning about myself as I started this like self-love journey becoming 30 yeah. was that I was never honest to, to, with myself about how I would truly be feeling when experiencing mm. a, anything. You know, mm-hmm. I was just taught to do what makes it look good. Makes mm-hmm. it look good as opposed to what feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that never worked well with me. I started seeing that reflect in my daily life, how I treated people, how irritable I was. Um, and then and then what it looked like for me by myself. You yeah. know, I put on that face and then when I'm alone, I'm miserable because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really embodying what's actually happening to me. And you spent so much energy putting on the face like that takes so much energy people don't even realize maybe they do realize but (laughs) (laughs) it's exhausting it's exhausting and it's exhausting and and honestly like that movement of like black women becoming who they are Mm -hmm. and loving who they are was empowering for me um and it got me in a space where it's like I'm Telena 100% of the time and whoever don't like it, I mean, you just don't like it. You could just deal. (laughs) Deal however you need to. Well, you jumped in a bit to my next question, which is share your most salient identities with me. You said as a Black woman and named that as a part of your experience, but it may or may not be the most salient. So you share race, class, gender, sexual identity. It can be any of those or none of those. It's all of those. Mm -hmm. I am a Black, authentic woman. Um, I embody in that embody that in the most authentic way I can. Um, and I'm learning to embody that in other ways as well. Yeah. Um, I love being a black woman. Uh, I don't even know if you see my post today, but that was actually a part of one of my posts today. Oh no. What'd you say? Yes. I, I had wrote this little poem that I had came up with a couple of years ago about loving who I am, no matter who says I'm not, you know, yeah. and being in that space where this is who I am 100% of the time. And I recognize that everybody's not going to like that. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with me, though. Are there parts of you that are salient that you've noticed people have a harder time liking that you still like? Yes. It's funny because it's the ratchet version of me. Yes. <laughs> I love her. She is authentic. And she does not care. Yes. Um, and I love that about me. And we have somehow gotten into this space where people equate 
like that ratchet side with lack of professionalism and yes. education. And that's not the case. I'm both mm-hmm. Good, ratchet and educated all at the same time. And the dichotomy serves what purpose to make us split ourselves split off from our community members who may not have all of those sides, might just have one side or another side. It's like, oh, I can be all the things. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that, like that sentence alone is what helped me. It's Mm -hmm. just like, why can't I be all of those things? Who said that that's wrong? And who set the standard for me? Who did? So, hmm. So what I came up with is my upbringing. There was a standard that I grew up in a hood. I grew Mm -hmm. up in Yonkers, New York. Um, and the, the status was everything around me was hood ghetto. Yeah. Don't stay here. Get mm. as far away from this as possible. This is not where you want to be. And for me, it's just so often I sit back and I think about how I raised them and don't get me wrong. There was some things that, no, they weren't so great, but yeah. I loved my childhood. Yeah. I loved everything about it. You know, I, I I've had my fair share of stuff happen, but there's nothing like the village in the hood. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I needed that. And I loved everything about it. And so when people were telling me to get away from that, what did that mean? And so I worked hard, had no idea where I was going, but worked hard to just get away. And sometimes that doesn't work out because for me, I felt like I got away from me because it was a part Mm -hmm. of me. And the thing that you just hit on for me that resonates so deeply is that you don't know what you're going to. And the people who have given you that message is all that message also don't know what that yeah. thing you're asking you to go to when they tell you to get away. So yeah. they think the utopic, the utopic, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> the utopia of this other life out there, this more educated, well-off life out there is as branded. Mm-hmm. Like this idea of the American dream is as branded, but it's a commercial. Like mm-hmm. there's fuck shit on that side as well. Like, yes, yes, yes. And that was big for me. Um, and, and it's funny because me and my mom still have those conversations yeah. because my mom is still the quintessential Harlem girl mm-hmm. from New York, you know, and and, and I, even when she talks about me and, and she's very proud of me, I love my mom, but she, she does this thing where she, tries to separate me from Mm -hmm. those spaces in which I was brought up. And I'm like, no, this is where I come from. I want everybody to know this is where I come from because it may not have been a space that you like to be in, but I enjoyed my childhood. But she's there because something about it still resonates, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What makes you stay here? And I'm thinking about here in the context of Kentucky where we are Mm -hmm. and not go back there. Mm. Because I feel like as much as people want us away from it, mm-hmm. there is still a space where they don't think that there and healing can coexist. Mm. So when I go back there and I go back often, yeah. um, I notice, I feel the cloud. I feel the the, yeah. the pain. I feel my my peers and my, my, my friends, my family feeling exactly what I felt when I left, but still being in a space where they're hopeless oh, in a yeah. way, mm-hmm. where they feel like there's no way you can be here and be healed. Mm. And I disagree. I think that there there is a space for both. I feel like there is a space to turn this entire community around, but we are yeah. taught to hate each other the way that we do. And it makes it hard for us to turn that, make that yeah. turn around. I, that hits. Are there other aspects of your identity that stand out for you, things you didn't mention initially? So um, when you say Black woman, there's so many ways to be a Black woman, but there's also aspects of you that intersect with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm fluid in a lot of ways mm-hmm. as, as far as where I, where I am. And I think that for so long, I was told you have to be consistent in whoever you decide to you be. You to choose one or the other. Yeah. And so I, do, I don't do it. Yeah. I, I I go where I feel loved. I, I stay where I am happy. Yeah. Um, and I choose peace in all spaces. Mm-hmm. So. What does peace feel like to you? Ooh. Peace for me looks like um freedom. Mm. It looks like no pressure. 
I, I often relate it to being a leaf on the tree. Yeah. Like I'm here, I'm doing my job. There's no pressure to go this way or that way. I'm loving what I do and yeah. it feels good to be up here. Mm. Um, it's unapologetic. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm at true peace, I it's absent of guilt. Oh, wow. And that is a hard space to get there to get to. But when I get there, I feel like I love myself so much more. Mm-hmm. Say more about what makes guilt hard to get away from. I think mm-hmm. that'll hit for a lot of people. For me, uh, it goes back to my childhood, actually. Um, even up to graduating high school, I felt bad. You mm-hmm. know, my my best friends, my greatest friends, the people I call my sisters and my brothers, a lot of them didn't even graduate high school. Yeah. I was excited about that. I was, I thought I was doing my thing. And like I said, my mom would brag on me. Um, so that was, that was a big thing because my mm-hmm. mom didn't graduate either. And she talks publicly about that all the time. Um, and so it would make me feel guilty to have any form of success to Ooh, the point. Yeah. Like survivors remorse. Yeah. To the point that I would not announce my successes. My friends would get to me and they would say, Hey, you did this thing and you didn't tell anybody you went here and you got this and you didn't tell anybody. And I couldn't because I was afraid of what that might look like for my sisters and my brothers at home. Yeah. I've been told before that I've left them. Oh. I've been told before that I left them for dead. And that hurts yeah. because that I recognize I can't save the world, but you are people I love. And if I could, I would. Yeah. And so there's not only the feeling of guilt, but being guilted mm-hmm. in some ways mm-hmm. and having to hold that with this. I'm as deserving of the life I want as you are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm at a place where I have access to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And even when I'm saying it and I'm presenting it, I feel that sometimes it still goes over the head of, no, you have access. Mm. You have resources. I don't have any. Are there aspects of your privilege that give you access in ways that maybe they didn't have? Mm-hmm. And I and and I I like to look at that as a way to ladder them in. Yeah. Are they, I mean, I'm wondering what they think they're seeing in you. That's like, no, you had this and I didn't have this Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. you're in the same community. What were some of those things? Um, I I feel like that in, within that community, subcultures, Mm -hmm. within that community, because I'm thinking about, (laughs) yeah, you're right. (laughs) But in that community, I, I I didn't grow up in, my mom and my dad weren't married, but I had a father figure Mm -hmm. and my dad was active in my life. Yeah, They just weren't together. And I think that was a big thing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, growing up. In, in the spaces that I did, where I was able to say, you know, I I have essentially three people that I identify as father figures. Yes. And people was, treat you different yeah. when you have identifiable yes. father figures that they know they have to answer to. Yes, yes. And, it, and that was a big thing. I had, um, my, my they all protected me. They yeah. all were intentional about me. And, and I knew that that was a space that a lot of my friends and peers didn't have. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know the impact it would have now. Okay. Okay. And I'm learning that on this journey mm-hmm. in this space where I'm being honest about my feelings and how my emotions are playing a role in this. And and maybe them not having um, the space to, to know that I'm just communicating. There's no bad blood. Mm-hmm. I love you. I still want to be here. But this is how this makes me feel when this is my intention. Yep. My intention is not being delivered correctly show me how I can love you a little bit better yeah and letting you know that I want this for you too this is a ladder not a stick Mm -hmm. like you're not in any way trying to push people away you're Mm like I'm over here with a welcome open arm yeah yeah well you gave me another good segue you talked about love and I'm gonna ask what does love mean to you I love means everything to me. Mm. Um, literally everything. everything. Okay. Break that down. And what I mean by that is I don't believe this is a personal mm-hmm. thing. I don't believe that any of the things that happen in this world would happen the way they were happening if love 
presented first. Mm. If we showed up with just love, absent of everybody else, absent of everybody else's emotions, and I just gave my love, I don't think that the world would be the way it is today. I feel you on that. It's something like an example in your mind of what that might be or what that might look like. Like you were saying, um, if we showed up, mm-hmm. like where, what's a way that you know, like you were looking at this thing and it's like, well, we could have chose love here. <laughs> we chose otherwise. Yeah, we choose violence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in a lot of ways, I think in relationships, mm-hmm. you know, if we went in without just our intentions. I always say, mind your business in your relationship. Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean that in a negative aspect. I mean that in a way of if I am minding the business that is mine, which is to love on my husband unconditionally, right? That's my goal, not my yeah. And there's just no way if he's operating in his same love and minding his own business that we would have a lot of negativity, a, a lot of things that don't produce yeah. love. If we I'm about to back up, though, because you just said something. Okay. <laughs> so listen, because I love minding my black business. But <laughs> But when you said your business is to love your husband unconditionally, how did you come to that being like, this is my charge. This is what I want to do. Childhood and recognizing Mm -hmm. that everybody comes from a different upbringing. Me and my husband, and, and we both talk about this openly as well, struggled. Okay. In the beginning, because I just, I mean, that's common though. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He, he's an only child, you know, he had his parents. His Are you mom. only as well? No, I'm oh, the okay. oldest. And my youngest is 13 years younger than me. Yeah. Uh, my, my youngest sister. And um, he he didn't have some of that, that what I identified as grind and grit, and he identified as survivor issues. Ooh, but listen, <laughs> because oldest women and only men often get together really that's a whole like i had this book and it's a whole like relationship constellation by birth order that is who often finds each other oldest women often find themselves with youngest or only boys only men wow i did Mm -hmm. not i would love to to listen okay i'm gonna see that i can help But yeah, so that's where it came from. And and he sat me down one day and basically told me, I'm not the hood that raised you, the mother that raised you. I don't deserve any of the things that is due for that. Mm. And um, it took me a long time and, and some therapy to get to a space where it was just like, okay, no, he's not the bag that I need yeah. to be punching, you know? Yeah. Shout out and to the therapy. Yeah. And, and And when I was getting to that space of understanding that, this was a, a two-part plan, but I had a really big role in loving him. I recognized that I needed to step back and take a moment to recognize, one, why I love him, why I'm with him, and why I'm mm-hmm. staying here. Mm-hmm. And then, two, what that actually meant for me. And that meant that with all of both of our flaws, with all of the things that we both have been through, I have to love him through that. Or we yeah. won't get anywhere. Yeah. Because it's a part of his makeup, too. And if he's willing to love me past the things that I have been through, what is so hard about me getting to that space where, okay, he's been through this. It's not like yours. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be like yours. And yeah. you can still love him how you plan to. Mm. And so over time, you started practicing that, taking embodying that. Mm-hmm. And then you noticed the shifts. Yeah. I noticed that he was kinder. Mm-hmm. I noticed that I was more open to let him lead mm-hmm. that was a big thing for me you know love didn't look like what he had love look like and yeah. what our love did not look the same what he wanted for love and what I wanted for love looked a lot different and that's when I started getting into learning like love languages yeah. and learning about our sex life and yeah. about how we wanted to deal with how we raised our kids because love for me interpreted directly just sex at one point mm-hmm mm-hmm and so if that wasn't right, then nothing else could be right. But there was so much more, yeah. there was so much more that I had to explore. And so that's how I got to a space where I'm going to have to love him. That's my job is to love him unconditionally. And then what happens after that and the choices that we make after that is how we build. Yeah. So you just took responsibility for 
your part in the relationship. Like this is my contribution to the dynamic. He don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect, but I know what I'm committed to doing. I know what yeah. actions I get to choose. And then you had to relearn or rethink through mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. actions, all of these decisions, all of these choice points in love. Yeah. And those were hard. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we got together really young. Um, What's young to you? I was 20. Okay. Yep. And I was already a single mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was, it was a lot happening at that age. You know, I, I didn't have anything. I was, I had been in Kentucky at, by that point, maybe two or three years. So okay. I was still very much so. Yes. From me, yes. Like, <laughs> and my husband, well, my boyfriend at the time was a preacher. He kind of had his life, you know, what looked like very much so established and was ready to, and it intimidated me in the beginning. Yeah. But um, yeah, we were, we were very young and we had a lot of growth. He was young as well. Yep, he was 23. Yeah. Yeah. And you look back now and you're like, oh, that was really a whole different me. Like, <laughs> yes. And I just, and sometimes I even like, I would be sitting in the bed and I'd be like, you remember when? I'm sorry. I don't feel that <laughs> way anymore. <laughs> and he just be like, go on. <laughs> so as you were learning these lessons, as you were thinking about redefining love, like understanding love in new ways. How did that show up in other relationships where love was important to you? You talked about being a mom, being a single mom at one time. Like there's so yeah. many, you know, so many ways that can come out. It, it, and it came out in a lot of those. Mm-hmm. So he taught me patience. Mm. I did not know how much. Is that I core to your definition patience. of love now? Yes. Oh, yes. wow. In so many ways. And so and I'm just ways. really still working on patience as well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> patience is not one of my virtues. <laughs> and it is a hard working one. Okay. Mm-hmm. We years dirt work, yeah. falling in the dirt work um, because I had zero patience and he, he would do this thing where he would, um, I would say something and I would, be on it. Like, did you yeah. do that? Why didn't you do that? Come on now. Why are you, do- you know, and it would be my anxiety, mm-hmm. but I don't know what this anxiety he does though. You didn't have the language for that mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. No. And so he would just sit there and he would just breathe and it would annoy me in the beginning. But in that time that he is breathing, I'm actually calming down mm-hmm. and I'm able to get myself together, kind of clear my thoughts and realize that whatever I'm complaining about right now, obviously ain't that bad because my husband who loves me, if it was that bad, he would be work figuring out, figuring it out too mm. with me. And that would calm me down in itself. Yeah. So it showed up in, in patience in, in my relationship with my daughter. Um, it showed up in a lot of other ways because mm. my daughter, um, she's 10 now and she's getting ready to be 11 next month. It's stressing me out. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she um, has this way where she is becoming her and I found myself parenting the way my mom did mm. which wasn't always what I liked okay. or what I thought was beneficial and as I went to school as I had my own life experiences as I did things in the world um, I-, I changed my view and yeah and I struggled with that change because my mom always said, this is how you do it. This is what is supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. Her mother told her, this is how you do it. This is how it's supposed to be done. But when I got to my kid, I was like, that's not what she needs. When it's you talking telling- about you being open to change. You're talking about your flexibility, your fluidity, as you named it mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. in so many different aspects of your life in ways that maybe the people who loved you and raised you and were in community with you early on that might not mm-hmm. be one of their best attributes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning that in all those spaces where my yeah. village were, you mm-hmm. know, and even in this day, like I find myself Thanksgiving, Christmases at the table and I'm like, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, You know that we could we could do this instead. And it's like, because those options are so foreign, they almost seem impossible. Oh, yeah. The whole and, business you talked about. Yeah, and I find myself trying to beat this to them, and 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 sometimes it's really subtle. Sometimes I'm like, you know, it could be that, or it may not. Mm-hmm. And the other days, I'm like, no, here's the complete other option, <laughs> you know. And so it, it showed up in that relationship, and with my mom, it was the worst. Mm. Uh, me and my mom struggled 
Uh, she she she's my best friend yeah. essentially. But as I grew and she knew I was growing, growing, it came more off as I was trying to be better. Ah, okay. And that hurt. She saw a home. value judgment coming from your growth as opposed to evolution. Yeah, yeah. Was there and, judgment in it as well at one point? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. In the beginning, and she read that because mm-hmm. they be reading it. <laughs> They're like, first of all. Who you think I'm you your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who you talking to? <laughs> Who are you talking to? And and that's exactly what it was like. And then so immediately I felt like that I would go back into that. Yeah. Like I'm gonna match energy now, mm-hmm. not in a disrespectful way, but mom. Like I'm I know something. Yeah. And and for a long time, like I said, she is the quintessential New York woman. She would be like, And how old are you? And I would be 30, still saying, I'm 30, yeah, not older than me, and I'm still your mom. And it's just like, we're not getting nowhere. Yep. I so. feel you. It's like, wait a minute now. I am a, also a grown woman. <laughs> that is also a part of who I am right now. And it's yes. like, but you ain't growner than me, and there is a hierarchy. Yes, yes. And so, so that's that. Are you trying to reduce some of the hierarchy in the way you parent? Yes. Mm. And that's a challenge, a challenge that I'm, that is not my virtue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm still in the space where I am learning that she is her own person. Yeah. And if you don't want her to have to go through the fight that you're currently going through with your parents, let her be who she is. Mm. And that's what is the, what's the thing that makes it hard? Cause I think a lot of parents resonate with that moment. I know I do. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is a whole fully forming person who has their own attitudes and beliefs and opinions and emotions. Mm-hmm. And I have an idea for them. What is it? What makes it hard for you to, you're doing it, but it's still not easy. Uh, the, the emotions, the opinions <laughs> and those, is it the way they're communicated or mm-hmm. is it that they exist? Mm. Both. Mm-hmm. And that just made me think of. Probably because I wasn't until my late 20s before I decided that my true emotions are what I'm going to allow people to see. Yeah. And I'm trying to stop that for her. I don't want her in her 20s. I want you to be able to know emotions, get familiar with them, name them, embody, you know, use Mm -hmm. them. And sometimes that's hard when your preteen is is feeling some type of way and she stomps up the stairs, slam the door and don't want to talk to you for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. because who door are you slamming? (laughs) (laughs) And I have to, you know, pull that back in because that's her 10 year old way Mm -hmm. of expressing her emotion. And sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take it off the hinges and you ain't going to know what to do. But then I also recognize that then I get in that space of like, okay, what about her privacy? What about her wanting to cope on her own? Yeah. You know, I wasn't allowed that. And I, that's how I want to show her that I love you. I love mm-hmm. you while you're angry. Mm-hmm. I love you while you're sad. I love you while you don't like me. And and that wasn't something that was offered to me as a kid. Yeah. It was like, you need to be in this narrow window of acceptability for me to mm-hmm. really, really love you or like you. I yeah. love you for always, but the way I like you is informed mm-hmm. by. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it's exactly that. And so this has been more recently in these last two years, it's been an experience for me because this was my test. And I feel like (laughs) I'm at a solid C. A daily assessment. (laughs) And so it's it that's been an experience. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. There are times where I'm in my room crying about it because I want what's best for her and maybe she's not seeing that. Mm-hmm. But then there's also times where I look out the window because I can I can see her playing on the street right from my bedroom window. And I'm just like, I am proud of how you used your words. I am yeah. proud of how you communicated the way you did. And I know that those spaces offer that. Yeah. What would the world be like if it loved you? If the world loved Black women? Mm. And black women were in touch with their ratchet side, their hood side, their multifaceted ways of being. Their intellectual, all of those in one. It would be bomb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It would be Mm -hmm. lit out here. (laughs) In what way? Paint me a picture. I just feel like that it would be the love would be unapologetic. Mm. The person would be unapologetic. 
there would be no faces. If I could be 100% me as I am trying to be all the time and not get crazy faces or feel the oppression that I feel yeah, um, or, or go into these spaces and authentically be me and that be why they love me. Mm. You produce another space in me to not have to worry about those things. So now I can be 100% yeah. the creative person that I am 100% of the time because I don't have to worry about the things that may come from under the rug or the yeah. systematic things that are in front of me to prevent me from being that person because I got shit to worry about. Yeah. So the worry would be gone. You would be accepted. When you said unapologetic, break that down for me because I have a vibe for what that is, but for people yeah. who are watching. Uh, I, I think for me, unapologetic looks like if I choose to get up and wear my orange wig, mm-hmm. right? Embrace that. Yeah. I have my orange wig on. I'm going to vibe it out with whatever outfit I decide yes. to put on that day. It didn't shift your credibility, your intellect, credibility. any of that. Yes. Um, you know, being outside and doing my black people things, and there's just not questions about it. What's your like, favorite I'm just, black people thing to do? Cookouts. I love cookouts. <laughs> I love a good cookout. I love, I love loud ratchet spades playing. Yes. yes. I'm just playing spades this weekend. Like, yes. first of all, yes. we lost. And I just really felt disrespected by that. But <laughs> you do have a good partner? My husband. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get the looks. Like, this is this is him. I know he can watch this and I'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> my husband refuses to be my partner. He will ditch me in a second because he says I always cut him. But I don't. I'm learning. That's what it was for me. So I am your husband in that regard. <laughs> Like <laughs> people like who always playing, but yeah. So I love the idea, and and for me, it looks like Harlem. Mm. So like when I grew up, uh, I grew like I said, I grew up in Yonkers, but my family, like generations, my 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 great aunt is still in an apartment that my great 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 grandmother had wow. in Harlem in St. Nicholas Projects. Wow. And I go there every summer. She doesn't have central air. She doesn't have any of it. She still has skeleton the, keys. The window the unit. Yes. And I always talk about how. I feel so loved here. Mm-hmm. Like all the aunties, all the uncles that are out here, it's just that there's an embracing that happens there that yeah. I'm not sure I will ever get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I and it's it it's a warming of the heart. It makes me think of being at my grandmother's house in the bed, watching, knowing that it's gonna be a cooked meal. Mm-hmm. She ain't gonna let nothing happen to me. Mm-mm. I'm safe. We gonna play. She's gonna yell at us. Yeah. You know, but we're gonna be all right. And I love that feeling. It's yeah. just something about a hot summer in New York at a cookout. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the world would look like if it loved you. It would yes. be yes. endless cookout space, playing, yes. a little yelling here and there, yes. comfort, safety. What else? Mm-hmm. Um, there would be unconditional positive regard. Mm. There would be the space mm. for error, you know, yeah. and not being scrutinized for it recognizing that we are are really human and there's literally not a perfect soul in this world right and being that space where instead of scrutinizing dehumanizing Mm -hmm. creating these spaces where i no longer feel human because i made a mistake instead you come here we we do true rehabilitation with love yeah you know we, we worry about the things that we need to worry about work with you on them and then show you love because I think that love leads all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. So when you talked about rehabilitation, you mean someone who is engaged in some form of wrongdoing and being like, you can still be loved in this community. This is how you repair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and bringing it back to Harlem, that's what the aunties were. You know, yeah. they don't see, they seen you do stuff. They gonna they talk sure to did. you about it. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to talk to you about it and they're going to tell your mama. But guess what? When she see you, she's going to hug you. She's going to love you. They're going to tell you, I know what you did. It's okay. I still mm-hmm. love you, but you better not do it again. Yeah. You learned your lesson. Now come on mm-hmm. and let's still do what we was already going to do. Yeah. I don't, the world doesn't offer that to me as mm-hmm. a black woman. What does, what does it usually offer? What do you usually get? Though that scrutiny yeah. that you mess up one time and that's your ass. Mm. that 
if I make one mistake, if I show the wrong face, we we don't want you here. Mm. Get excommunicated mm -hmm. for making a mistake, for not being poised or containing your emotion, for yeah, for living up to whatever their stereotypes might be. Mm -hmm. And that in itself just feels heavy. Yeah. Because it's like now I'm on eggshells. Mm -hmm. And now you can't drive everyone. in that way. Yeah. It's being accounted for. And that's not fair. Yeah. Who do you sometimes struggle to love? The past me. Mm, say more about that. Um, I struggle to accept who I allowed myself to be. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily because I was a bad person, but make more so because the things that happened to me, I I I took on what the village was telling me. I took mm -hmm. on what society was showing me instead of what I know now. Now mm -hmm. of course hindsight's always went to me. But it's a struggle now because I know too much. Okay. And, and it's hard to have compassion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that that's sometimes the struggle that they have when I go back because me knowing what I know and offering that to them, once I offer it for myself included, I think that's also when that guilt wow. and that shame creeps in. Because if I'm offering now, ignorance is not an answer anymore. Mm -hmm. Now I know what I know. But it, now that I have that and I'm pulling that back, it's like guilt and shame show right up. And it's mm -hmm. like, mm, why'd you do that? When the guilt and shame show up, how do you usually respond to it? So self-love, compassion journey. Mm -hmm. um, I'm intentional now. Um, I laugh because every time I see you, I think about the rap story. <laughs> right? <laughs> when I got booed off the stage. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And I think about that because that was a space in my life where like I was writing poetry all mm -hmm. the time, but mm -hmm. I would never tell. I would never, never tell. Um, and I always talk about this. I'm a, I'm a survivor of um, sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that was an issue for me was where love comes from, mm -hmm. right? Because okay. I had issues with the person who assaulted me because they were. Yeah. Um, so where does, where does love come from and how does that work? And it's and so, so common that it's family. Yes. Yes. So it was hard to accept it from anywhere else. And so the love thing was, was hard. Yeah. And the love thing of yourself was hardest. Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. when I look back at her, really love was all that she needed. You mm -hmm. know, when I, when I take that moment and I take, and don't get me wrong, my mom loved on me. My my dad's always say my dad's because my biological dad was here, but then I had uh, a stepdad and, and yeah. another father figure. Um, they they showed love now, their love, their kind of love, and and that wasn't always the love that I needed. Mm. So, what type of love, based on the definition that you used earlier, did you need? Was it the patient mm -hmm. type of love that you needed? I needed the patience. I needed the verbal communication. Verbal. Mm -hmm. I needed the assurance. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that my, my my parents weren't big. My mom specifically, you know, because we we've had this conversation mm -hmm. too. Uh, wasn't really big on emotions yeah. because she wasn't allowed to have them. Right. So when I had them, it was I need to do something immediately to try to fix them or get out of my face while you have them. Mm hmm. And that wasn't a space. Sometimes it was, I wanted to sit in this emotion and tell me that it's okay to have this emotion. And be seen in that emotional and state. And be seen mm -hmm. in that emotional state. And just to know you cared that I was there. You didn't have to fix it. Yeah. There didn't have to be a space where, you know, I had to go in the room and cry my eyes out by myself. But just you sit here with me in this. Yeah. Because when you're a person who hasn't been offered the opportunity to express your own emotion... And you're mm -hmm. well, you're bottling them all up. Mm -hmm. Don't let somebody around you have an emotion. And then your stuff starts swelling <laughs> up. So you're like, you got to get out so I can continue to be a container. 
Yes. Like, no, maybe we needed to cry together. Yes. Maybe and, she, and, and, and that was very much so her. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And that was very much so her. She would she she would hold it in. I would know. Mm-hmm. She was a, <laughs> I can see you over here struggling to keep your composure, but she would not. And it taught me to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. There was times she didn't even tell me to go in the room. I felt the tear come down. I'm going in my room. Yeah. You started to move in that way because you already knew what the instruction was going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're working on that now. Yeah. Uh, it's she's ever smart. going all all the time is work. Yeah. Yeah. And she's she's a little bit more open about it. She she recognizes um my mom says, but you can I curse on here? Yeah. You got me fucked up all mm-hmm. the time. That's her line that is hers. I stamp her name by it because I don't <laughs> care. She was the first person I ever heard say that. <laughs> And that is her go-to about everything, about emotions, about anything. So even when she would be aroused, no, I'm going to my room. You got me, mm-hmm. you know. And so now I, I say, Ma, do I really have you fucked up, or are you experiencing emotion you don't want to share with me? Yeah. And you're you, that's that therapy stuff. No, <laughs> this is human stuff that yes. you didn't have, and now I want to offer it to you mm-hmm. as an option. As an option. That you can take or leave because you're an autonomous human being, but yes. the option is here. Yeah. And I'm going to love you through it all. You and know? you see, I think what you're saying is you're seeing her soften to the option being available, even if she's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you're seeing that softening yeah. around it like, well, options exist. Options so absolutely like- exist. And it's so funny because they're, they're not going to register. Like, mm-hmm. they're not going to register in the moment. What's she going to do? Is she going to curse me out, hang up the phone? Is she going to text me a little later and say, hey, about what she said earlier? <laughs> you want to mm-hmm. talk? And I'm like, absolutely. The space yeah. is still here. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And from the way you described it, in some ways, your husband was able to do that for you. Were there other people in your life who were able to love you in that way where it was like, there's space? Yeah. My dad was the, my biological father was mm-hmm. the first person to ever show me true love. Mm. Um, and it was in the way that he loved his current wife. Yeah. Um, and my stepmom who I adore. He showed me patience as well, but it was coming from dad mm-hmm. and it was coming in his own little dad way. Now, the irony is I'm his only child. Okay. Okay. Um, and I do have two stepbrothers who he also raised, but I'm his first and only child. Mm-hmm. And so he he loved me in a way that I didn't understand. And because I didn't understand it, I was angry with him. Yeah. What was and the anger about? Him not showing it to me in the way I thought it was supposed to be shown. Okay. You had an idea. Mm-hmm. Even if you were getting the type of love you needed, your idea mm-hmm. of love wasn't being met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was first shown to me and where I started to open up to my dad. When I first told him I was pregnant mm-hmm. um, at 19, right? The whole purpose of me coming to Kentucky was for me to better my life and to yeah. do the things that I was supposed to be doing. And my third year down here, here I am, 19 and pregnant. That was everything my mom said not to be, mm. right? And, and I always, whenever I think about that, I get emotional about it sometimes because my fourth grade teacher had already told me that I was going to be pregnant at 19 and that's all I was going to ever be good for. Fourth grade. What kind of teacher? I know. Disrespectful ass. Yeah. yeah. And my mama showed right up. Um, I'm sure she did. Because, oh, child. Mm-mm. So that was like a, that, that, was, that was something I dealt with mm-hmm. for a long time because it was just like, oh, my God, I'm doing exactly what they told me I was going to be. And he was intentional about saying, I don't give a damn what they said. Mm-hmm. You are my child. And my dad says this phrase and he's been saying it to me since I was probably four. If there is a rock over in China, it is somehow going to find Talena and She'll have it in her hand, right? He 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 instilled in me how unique I was, mm-hmm. how different I was. He used to always call me a star, still calls me a star. Yeah. Um, and I, I hated that he did that. Mm. It bothered me so much. Um, and I never told him that, but yeah. he just was like, Why are you hyping it up? You know, for a long time. That that's how I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Why are you hyping it up? Why are you hyping it up? But what he did was when I told him I was pregnant, I remember we were in this old 19, like 93 pickup truck. And he was, I was really quiet in the car. <laughs> I was, I knew I was pregnant. I just wasn't yeah. trying to tell him. And uh, did you feel I was, scared? 
I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. My daddy had never overreacted. I've seen my dad mad one time in my entire life. I've never seen him upset. So um, when we when we were in the car, we were driving, and I was like, Dad, I got something to tell you. And he was like, what is it? And my dad is very facetious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like He says the most inappropriate things. <laughs> and the first thing he was like, like what, you gay? And I was like, no, I'm not gay. <laughs> I said, I am pregnant. And he was just like, well, damn, because I thought you was gay. <laughs> and I was like, you're not mad. He was you. ready to he was ready to be there with you in your coming out moment and be like, yes. I love you. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, wait a that's not yeah. the story I thought we were gonna have today. Yeah. And so we ended up having the conversation and I was headed to work. I was in like a while because um I was doing like this program thing and we mm-hmm. were headed there. And he talked to me with unconditional positive regard the entire time. I had, I spent the time he was using to talk to me to calm myself down because I could not believe his response. Mm. Completely opposite of my mother's. Yeah. So he showed me, he he let me know like the consequences of it, right? You're 19, you're pregnant, mm-hmm. you're trying to go to college, you're trying to do all this stuff. You know, this is not going to be easy. Yeah. And you're going to be a parent. Mm-hmm. But I still love you. And as much as that is your child, that is my grandchild. Yes. So we're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I looked at him and I was like, okay. And you believed it. And I believed it. That might've been what it was. Mm -hmm. I believed it. I didn't know what to do with that information. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, it took me weeks to believe that he was okay. Like he brought a crib in and I was like, you really helping me. (laughs) Like I just couldn't believe it. You thought you deserved to be abandoned. Yes. Mm. Yes. And I I mean, and every time I would break down, he brings something in to help out. I break down. He like, what are you? What are you looking for me to do? And I was like, I, I was looking for you to be upset, mm-hmm. to be disappointed, to be disappointed. And when he wasn't, it just rescripted everything for you. Mm-hmm. That's when it the was, messages from four on hit. It was like, like a whirlwind of <laughs> like, okay, so we don't have to do the anger thing. We don't have to be. The mean person, because again, my mom was the complete opposite. Yeah. And it was, I I felt like I had to go to, go into overtime. My mom was the person who worked, you know, day in, day out. Mm -hmm. I brought my kid, my siblings to school. I dressed my siblings. I was the feeling parent, you know, when she was gone. And so immediately that's actually the mode I went into Mm -hmm. of, okay, I'm about to be a mom. You got to get this job, this job, this job. And my dad was like, stop. You had a plan. Your plan was to go to school. Yeah. You're going to school. You do not have to do it this way. There is another option. Mm-hmm. And he walked me through that. He gave you the options. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. And that was different. And that was really my first time of really saying love can exist in another way. Yeah. Because the way we talk about young Black women who get pregnant and have children it's so rooted in white supremacy and capitalism and sexism. It's like we internalize that as a people and then we just pass that humiliation on mm-hmm. as opposed to like for generations, 19 year olds been having children. Yes. yes. And successful. And, can and that's it. not about to be the thing that makes you poor or not. The world has decided who's <laughs> going to be poor or not for the most part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it, that that was a struggle that I'm happy that I feel like I got through. Now, me and my dad, we talk regularly. Yeah. We have the hard conversations. We he's he's also my best friend. My parents are the people I'm calling every single time. I know I'm getting two different people with two different yeah. answers. Mm-hmm. But every single time, that's what I'm calling. I have one more question for you. What do you love most about you? Um, my openness to explore. Mm-hmm. I love. I'm curious as hell. I want to know everything. Yeah, you know. I I want. I recognize that that's an impossible mission, or I recognize that that's a journey. Yeah, you know. I won't never know everything, but I'm willing to try. Yeah, 
um, I'm willing to try new things. And I think that was something that was also opened up by my dad um, because I was taught there was this one way. And then it was like my first dose of there's not just one way. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, dang, how many variables are there? How many ways? Yeah. Yeah. And so then you get to make them up. That's when it really hits. (laughs) That is, that is. And I love that. And I love that. And even as my journey um, as a therapist, Mm -hmm. I, I'm learning that, okay, we can really like do what we need to do to get you or I, wherever we need to be. And it doesn't look, have to look like what they made it look like. Yeah. And I love that. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm learning about myself is that I'm very non-traditional as a therapist. Mm-hmm. I love that about me. Yes. I don't want to look like the next therapist in any way, shape or form. Um, I love my sessions with my clients, they be lit. (laughs) (laughs) I love them. And I love giving that space for people to be able to have those emotions. Yeah. Experience it is and love them and love on them. You like being able to give them the things that you realize would have been beneficial to you at those moments. Yes. Yes. There's nothing like that. And there's nothing like seeing them have that aha that I had. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. And that's love in itself to me, because now you're opening a door where now that you know this and now that you have this, you have options. Yeah. However you choose to love on yourself, you have these options. So you've got this openness that you love about yourself, this willingness to be untraditional, flexible, fluid, as you described. What in what ways does that benefit you? Like what has been the best most delicious, delightful benefit of being all the things you love about yourself? I love that no one else else's opinion gets to conform me. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't like how I am, not my problem. Yeah. Um, I've, I've worked too hard to be who I am to allow your opinion or anyone else's to change that. Yeah. This was intentional. So I'm going to be intentional about protecting it. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, I love that. part. Mm-hmm. And that's how to love a human. Thank you so much for engaging in this conversation with me. I wanted to ask if there are, are things that you're doing that you want to share or if you want to shout your social media out? Yeah, I am just working. I'm mm-hmm. hanging out, enjoying the stage, traveling. I am um, looking to do some podcasts of my own. Okay. Okay. I will be giving that information out on my social media. So okay. I, don't mind, I don't mind to uh, hand that out. Uh, so Facebook is just my name, Talena P. Young. Um, and then my Instagram is TP Counseling LLC, where yes. you will see some things that I have coming up soon. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful for this experience and having you in this space. It just feels so good to be here with you. This is my second time being in the space uh, with you in this aspect where we are talking about some things, and it always is good. It's always good and 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 fun. Well, thank you.